Hello, everybody. Welcome back for, I guess you'd call it season two, Pit Shack Podcast. This is going to be episode 24. Is that what I posted yesterday, Trevor? Yes, sir. So, Bradley Bush going to catch up with us today. He, we don't know much about Bradley. Um, we kind of had to reach out. Usually, we kind of have a little bit of, like, an idea of where we're going to go with stuff when we've done this in the past, but we don't know anything about him. So, we've got a lot of questions. He's a talker. So he's going to go ahead and answer some of the questions probably before we get there. I know he was well-versed in the go-kart world. And we I didn't know him then, but I know him through the modified world from social media. Um, from down in the... He lives in Fort Smith, but that's really where I probably crossed paths with him via Facebook. Um, he's seen me race, I've seen him race, and everybody knows how you become friends on Facebook. It's just one day it all happens, but... So we're going to figure some stuff out about him. We've got Trevor back in action again today. No Austin. Um, we're just going to kind of hit the high spots from last week because we made some predictions for the Dome. I was definitely wrong about Ricky Thornton not being very mean to his modified. And uh, Alberson, very wrong on that one as well, being mean. Yep, yeah, Alberson was really, really, really good on Friday and got caught up in the wall and got tore up. Didn't really have it after that, but I was wrong. I should know those guys are studs, and they're going to show out anytime they have opportunity presented. But I really didn't know. I didn't really didn't know how that was going to shake out. But the track wasn't nearly as rough all three nights. It wasn't rough at all on Thursday, but it wasn't rough not, all three nights. So like Ricky, not being rough on Thursday, I think hurt the show though. It did because it was lame, really. I'm a rough track hater. But that needs to be rough because the racetrack's too small. There's no momentum. So Yeah, they, they just hugged the wall, and it got kind of one lane. And I I thought, man, they figured out how to get this thing hard. It's going to suck. Yeah. I was noticing, I kind of thought the banners in the corners were shorter than years past. Like, they weren't as tall. And mm -hmm. I kind of thought that whenever they got up against the wall, it was throwing what could have been fluff out into the waiting area rather than like holding it and building the curb up against the wall because it never really did. It got, it would build up a little bit, but it was enough to where the late model guys were like going to tear decks out of it if they got all the way up in it for a very long, long period of time or get the right front in it, which happened to a lot of them. Yeah, and we talked about it a little bit on Saturday while we were watching it. It, it seemed to me that kind of to what you were saying about the banners is there was more dirt exiting the racetrack because all the cars in staging seemed to have more of the dirt off the racetrack on them than in years past i feel like yeah i know from just me racing in it man that was always like pulling onto the racetrack there was always just so much dust and dirt coming off a deck of your car up into it but it was so fine it didn't really it didn't, obviously didn't stick to anything and it really didn't come up in your helmet or cause any kind of problems but there was a lot there was one car one late model in particular in one of those last chance races we were watching that was like extremely noticeable. I think everybody in the room pointed it out whenever they were watching that, seeing how much dust was on the hood and the roof of it. It made a, like a blue car or something. Totally <laughs> looked like a UPS car. So yeah, I don't I don't know the banners. That may just be my speculation, but the banners did seem shorter to where it didn't cause fluff to roll up. But uh, I mean, I feel like they probably had to do that because they were up decently high last year nobody would sit what seemed to be in the first 10 rows behind what they had sectioned off down there mm -hmm. but i mean 
there was people further down. It's probably a visual issue that they were trying to fix, but I don't know. Saturday's racing was everything I'd hoped it would be, in my yeah. opinion. It yeah. was fantastic. A lot better. I think the, what I was kind of saying about how I didn't want to attend because of all the people that I had never heard of, that kind of glared through early in the night, though. Yeah. And that was a common complaint among social media and us in the room. It was like it took four ever to get through those what they're calling last chance heat races and once the show got rolling though i mean kenny wallace was really the fire backup point and we, we expected it like every we kind of clowned on that a little bit for last week of kenny wallace because a little bit of a blowhard from time to time but or every time <laughs> yeah whenever he yeah. won that pulled the infield we all got quiet because we knew something was fixing to happen and sure enough, that kicked the show back off again. There was some good stuff happening before that, but it was yeah, kind of dry. I think it, it for, I mean, obviously we weren't, we weren't there, but you could just tell from the broadcast side of it and the crowd reaction to the stuff that was going on after he did what he did on when he got on the roof. It, like, it got everybody back on their feet and ready to go again, it felt like, because the crowd went freaking wild. Yeah, after not going, I, underst- I understand the atmosphere, so after not going... Like, it's easy to get down on it sitting there, but that kind of put the hype back into our room, and I know the hype in the Dome was up there after that, and all the theatrics that come after that just just fuel everything whenever you're sitting in that building. So, good good stuff overall. Uh, Hudson and uh, Tyler Carpenter deal was the, the most addressed social issue we've seen in a long, long, long time on Facebook and Twitter. So, I... Yeah, I- I feel like it was, I mean, it's a little one-sided. I mean, Hudson probably could have lived too, but nobody likes Carpenter when it comes to the Dome because he does what he has to do. I mean, we talked about that last week. He's not scared to run somebody over. He's not. Yeah, and I think all those guys, it's almost like the whole building against him because of all the front that he puts on. So all of those guys probably were dreading getting in his heat race because they know they're going to have to deal with that confidence and that air that, he obtained over the last two years and he did but it carpenter was like a much more watered down version of himself this year that fishing those fishing people must have given him pretty good coin because what i had to have not cut loose like he used to his wife on the other hand made sure she did her part because i see i see people arguing with her on twitter like the day after just going at it but he was way but, more toned down on the mic. Like he, still, he he did after that though. He, I mean, he came back out of the B, put on a hell of a show to come through the A to almost transfer Friday night and make a show out of that. And then, I mean, he came from way back out of in that A feature on Saturday to run what third, fourth somewhere around yeah, there. Somewhere I mean, he there. put on a he put on a good show. Yeah, he definitely backed it up. He wasn't no. It wasn't a one-show wonder as far as the dome stuff goes, but uh, I don't know. He he backed up his driving. He roughed up some people, and but didn't have a sore chin about it like he would have in the past. But over the Hudson deal, his interview was a tiny bit anticlimactic. I think everyone else made a bigger deal out of it than what he did, but maybe he had somebody grab him by the arm before he got out of the car and was like, <laughs> shut it up. You need yeah. to tighten this one up because these people... I, I just see it as if people were giving him some money, which is fu- which is good and bad. 
Yeah, I was expecting the interview to go along the lines as his victory interview the other year on the prelim night that he didn't come here to F around. Yeah. I really expected it to be like that. It was he didn't care who you are, if his mother, his brother, his cousin, that he'd do the same. Yeah, I I like the I don't like how vanilla professional races are, but I understand why they're vanilla. Because I got someone else footing the bill and sending them up and down the road. I get it. Some personality goes a long way, but you don't need to be just completely over the top. It was cool at first, but the second year kind of wore me out. Then in the third year, I was like real wore out on the whole situation. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I was hoping Hudson would have cut loose and said something, seeing as that was his last time driving for Roger Sellers. But, I mean, look at what he's got going next year. Yeah, Rocket One and a corporate sponsor on the side of that car. You can't do it. No, he's got to mind his P's and Q's. Has to. I think you can't really belittle the situation because you're only going to have to deal with that dude one time a year. So, I don't know. That sounds bad. Other one elapsing when they go anywhere else. Yeah, but I I don't think he's going to be a problem. So, that sounds backhanded to me to say. But ah, I think that's not necessarily reading the room too, so of the whole community. So yeah, I don't know. Was there? We're gonna cover something else before we took off. Did you want to talk about your eye racing thing now, or do you want to make a put it up front, or do you want to talk? Yeah, about well, it? we can talk about it a little bit here. Just we kind of went through and we kind of got a schedule kind of nailed down. We're still working through some of the finer details of tracks, trying to make it cheaper on everybody. That way, you don't have to buy four tracks. Maybe looking at running some of the. The legacy tracks that you get with the game, um, but that's we're we're working that out. We're looking to do Saturdays in the month of January. Um, probably start about noon. Probably have like a three-hour server type deal. Um, but more details are going to be released later this week. I think it'll be, I think it'll be fun. Just as long as all of us dirt racers don't act like village idiots on on the asphalt stuff, which tends to happen in some of our servers. Yeah, I think it'll go good. Let's have a couple people keeping an eye out. I, like I said, I don't think I'm gonna gonna race in it. If I do, it might just be one. I'll probably just just watch because we did this. I don't know, a couple couple of years ago, we really needed twenty twenty. Yeah, we needed somebody to be checking it out because there's too many chiefs, not enough Indians <laughs> as far as like people driving. Everybody wanted to be the boss, so nobody yeah. knew what the hell was going on. I'm not planning on racing at all. I'm just going to be admin and then try to, while I'm adminning, try to be on top of the stream and maybe do a little announcing. It probably won't be the greatest, but I'll be able to talk a little smack. Might have a couple shots, but it gets real interesting. Yeah, yeah. if you drink alcohol before it starts, that's an added bonus. We would like that. Mm-hmm. Say what say what you want at your own risk, because we are not going to edit that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be, it'll be live on the face pages. Yep. Well, I think we can, uh, we can pull Bradley up when he hits the voice channel down there. I'll send him a message here real quick. Uh, he said he was loaded, but... One, oh, one thing I seen last week before we got... once we ended, I think Logan Martin commented a day late. He wanted to know, like, a top three or top five, like on your modified Mount Rushmore. And... I thought about that a little bit. I want to ask Brad about that. I think that goes by region. But, like, three three names that I come up with just without even trying. Kelly Shyrock, Johnny Sadoff, and Wayne Brooks. Just three, Wayne Brooks, for sure. Three, like... But that's that's just immediately thinking. 
So yeah. you can throw out just a heap of names. I think Kelly is our is oh nine time immediately. Then Wayne Wayne Brooks goes up there immediately. But it's like all by region too. So you, each each person's gonna have a different opinion. I know some of the like southern like Arkansas cats are gonna lean on some Shaw cars, and then the Iowa guys are gonna lean like like I was saying with Kelly and Johnny Sadoff and I, yeah people like that, but. And you got Logue up there too. Yeah, John Logue was king of Boone, so I I don't know. That was that was some stuff that came to mind immediately, and I've thought about it off and on since then. I mean, modern era, I really don't know who you would look at. Like the last five years, you'd say Rodney Sanders would be right up yeah. there. Yeah. It it it's so spread out modern era now. I feel like because. You can go out and win, and then the next night you you're B feature. It it's so difficult. Yeah, Sanders went on a this ragged ass tear forever though, so I'd say he's modern guy. But just overall, that was that was kind of my kickoff. I'd be curious to know what Brad's got to say. So we'll pull him up. We'll hit him with that right off the bat. Sounds good. Bradley Bush. What's going on? Doing okay. Doing pretty good. How about you? Pretty good. Got Trevor in here. No Austin this week. Just me and you and Trevor. And we did a little little squeeze right up front just talking about a little bit of stuff. And Logan Martin hit us with a question last week after we did our first episode. We were just kind of going over it. We were talking about like top three modified Mount Rushmore guys. And I threw out my people just right off the top of my head. I was thinking Johnny Sadoff, Kelly Shryock, and Wayne Brooks. If you can throw out just off the top of the head, who would be your top three modified guys? I mean, overall, like that's racers, not builders and stuff, because you you couldn't say anything about a modified without Mark Clark. That's a given. But I'm talking drivers. Okay, this is tough. I'm gonna throw out. I know you were talking shit last week, but I'm gonna say Nick Hoffman's up there. Okay, he's pretty smooth on the wheel. Uh. On a spot here. Let me get uh... a <laughs> kind of going against what I was saying right away. I was saying regional people, but you hit somebody with like I was saying people would probably come up with something. Oh, okay. Off. No, I'm not. I'm not saying like pick your region, but I would assume that most people you ask that question to, you would think of people that you're familiar with. But then you hit us with North Carolina, well, just like that. Somebody that we weren't even talking about yeah. to begin with. Yeah. I'll get you one. I don't know if you know him, but uh, let me get Randy Weaver. Not the one that drives late model, but the one from Little Rock, Arkansas. I don't know. What number is Randy Weaver? Number 8W. 8W. I don't know. I'd have to look him up. IMCA guy. Okay. Yeah. I'm at a loss on that one. I, I know my old man would know that one for sure, but. Let me get uh, Donnie Barnhart. Donnie Barnhart. Okay. That's a name I haven't I... heard in a long time. Yeah, that would be. I would agree with that one. He, Donnie was pretty smooth back in the day. He was. Right on. Well, that's that's a good first question to lead you off on. Because yeah. you yeah. probably already had some of this a little bit premeditated when you hit your blind side on that. But I thought that was <laughs> yeah, exactly. a, good, a good question, though. It is a good question. Because if you try and pick three, man, you're just going to stumble over top of one another over and over again. Like, just coming up yeah. with those three. As soon as I say or thought of those, like I start rolling off. Like every other name that you can possibly think of, but those those three people have a lot of a lot of meaning. 
And the same with your three. I mean, everybody's got their own their own reign. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Well, we I, we've talked to you a little bit. I've only I think I've only met you like three or four times in person. Yeah. We just cross paths. Cross paths via Fort Smith is what I was saying earlier. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I want to give us a a brief some brief overlook of your racing career because I know cart racer turned modified guy, but that's all I've got. So. Yeah, I, I raced go-karts there for quite a while and uh, did pretty good there. The thing that sucks about the go-karts is they're a lot of fun, super technical, like just as technical as anything, but anywhere close to me, I had to drive, I don't know, three, four, five hours to get a racetrack, good competition, it seemed like, out there. So wanted to move up to a race car, and uh, at the time, the uh, well, I guess they still kind of are, like the Architects factory stock deal was pretty big right around me. And so we got one of those cars and raced it for a year. And uh seems like uh, the MO of most of those kind of guys are uh, the car's not worth anything and uh, rather just drive over you mm-hmm. kind of racing. Now, and, uh, was that the the slick tire asphalt? That was a slick tire though? deal, yeah. That was a slick tire deal. At least where I was racing. It didn't seem like the racing wasn't super good. The slick tires kind of made it one line. You couldn't do anything to the car, and so that really didn't. Uh, and it, it felt like you could eat a hot dog in a straightaway. So I decided, <laughs> decided I wanted to step into something that felt like a go kart. And so modifieds was about as big as I could go, and still afford to do it a little bit. And so I just bought a modified and jumped off on the deep end. So you just jumped straight four bar car right off the get go. Yep, yep. run IMCH. Okay, and I know that's that's where I seen. I mean, I ran across you on Facebook. And that's where we seen you racing the most was at I thirty yeah. at the time, and you were yep. the one of the last of a dying breed to run an open motor down there, and you stuck it out. And I know you got asked a lot of questions about that, but look at, yeah. I mean, just from our side of it, I know why you. I think I know why you did it, but explain a little bit of that because I'm sure there's more than just one reason. But explain a little bit of that because the IMCA stuff. I don't know that there was anybody in the A feature at Super Nationals or Vegas the last two years that have an open motor. I may be wrong on that, but there are two marquee events now. I don't think there was anybody with an open motor qualify. So it's kind of a must-have with a crate motor, but explain your side yeah. on that. It, it's it's tough when you're not running a crate because you don't get the aluminum heads. It's the biggest thing, I'll tell you right off. You take the aluminum heads off, you lose 50 pounds. Yep. And uh, so that's huge already, but the deal was is uh, – you probably know brake cylinder heads help me out, helps me out on the motor. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to come up with something that would work for uh, just to compete with it. And I was really trying to, I knew I was at a disadvantage with the motor as far as if everything else was the same. But I was trying to come up with a way to work around the motor being different. With There's a lot of different ways I was trying to go about it. Like the motor's heavier, so I was trying to reduce the roll on the front end and make it where I was sitting more over in one spot and just different things I was trying, but mainly I just stuck it out because Burks helps me out and I could tell him, here's your motor back or I could go spin and buy everything to go on a crate and then have to reinvent my whole setup because I never ran one, which it, you know, that's what everybody else is doing. But, and also I have the mentality that if you're doing the same thing everybody else is doing, you're just going to be like everybody else. And it just kind of was a challenge. That's what I like about racing is I like a challenge. You're the, probably one of the first people that I've ever heard say anything about the, weight on the front end of the car usually the crate stuff references a spoiler so that's interesting because it's a big no-no to have weight on the front of your car that's why it's a penalty to have 50 pounds in front of the mid plate or whatever 
Yeah, the fifty pounds on the motor is huge. I mean, that that's the biggest disadvantage. You for don't sure. Think, you don't think this, if you put a blade on your open motor car, the same size blade, you don't think that would make that? I mean, not, make a not running at I thirty, not running at I thirty. If we were running, if we were running a bigger place like Tri State or something like that, it, it would make a little difference. But no, I think that the the big deal is the way the car drives. I mean, I mean, you hot lap with guys with B mods that don't have a spoiler at all, and if the racetrack's equal slick. They're not like a lot faster than you and your A mod. Right, right. Yeah, we ran with A mods last year, and Jason Payton would smoke my ass down the straightaway, but in the corners we were about the same speed. Yeah, it was like, I mean, if I get out there with a guy that's a good B mod, like at practice or something, I fall. If I could run up on that straightaway, like you said, keep up through the corner, you know, you got a good car. It's like the sport definitely helps, but as far as if, if we're driving them straight and everything is under you, that sport is not. I mean, you see like. Guys like Davenport a couple of years ago, last year, whenever it was, that run with the spore flat because it makes the deck longer. I mean, yeah, the the deck the deck is sixty five inches wide by power long and a lot of air, and then you put this two inch blade on the back. That's not going to live or die. Kill me. Yeah, it made a slight difference on our B mods on corner entry, but that's. The print, I mean, that's it. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, that's honestly, that's kind of where I personally disagree. I mean, I've, I've got a crate, obviously, running what we run, but I feel like two inches of spoiler is, I live or die by it. Cause, like, jumping from the IMCA stuff and then going to try to run USRA shows, if I add two inches of blade to a car, I've got so much more traction all the time. I've got more mile an hour because I can get through the corner faster. I feel like the blade is the limiting factor of the open motors. I feel like you can mess with camshafts where you don't have as much wheel spin or get a little bit different cylinder head, kind of like you were talking about. But I feel like if you were to be able to bolt the same 2-inch blade that I have, you you honestly could murder me on the top end. As long would, as you, yeah, it would definitely help that. out. It would definitely help out. I'm not saying it won't help at all. Like I'm the biggest advocate for air there is. Like uh, a few years back, I built an IMCA car. The IMCA rules say uh, you can have uh, three inches of deck rise from the back of the seat to the back of the deck. Well, I built my deck where it ran downhill to the seat and then uphill to the back. So when the car got down, you had six inches from the seat to the back. Mm-hmm. They, they they told me that that was uh, against the spirit of the rules. Couldn't do that. Had to make my deck level in the front. And then I've got a wall on my right side, or I had a wall on my right side to make air happen. I was trying to get air in a lot of ways. Great edge of the rules to where I could try to make that back. Right. Guys that run a crate, they just had regular standard bodies. And I feel like I was getting that back, honestly, yeah. with the rest of my body. Uh, I mean, I'm going to poke a little fun here, but is that why you cut your hair to reduce some drag? Yeah, yeah, that was exactly it. <laughs> okay, uh, this him saying that about your hair honestly just made me think of this. You got people riled up not that long ago over a containment seat. That, I did. Yeah. That was like a pretty big argument. So that got nothing to do with your hair, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. So I mean, that was that deal was it didn't go in the direction I wanted to. I wasn't telling anybody don't run a containment seat, but you see guys that have the containment seat that has six inches on either side of their head and their head can move just about as much as anybody's head can. And then your head gets a run at this seat that's mounted six inches from you. It's like hitting a roll bar. Yeah. All I'm saying is yeah. all I'm saying is make sure 
that you're sitting in your seat where it all fits and don't just bolt that thing in there and think, well, now I'm safe. No, I don't disagree yeah. with that one bit at all. My head on my seat, if I'm sitting upright comfortably, my, I'm probably like a half of an inch from my yeah, headrest, and, and I still get headaches whenever I have a like, rough racetrack or whatever, bouncing my head off that seat because, I mean, that's half-inch stationary. So my head's swinging to the left side uh, two inches or so. That's bouncing off that. I still get headaches from that. So Yeah, and I've heard that from a lot of people. And, like, you see all the studies from, like, other sports and stuff and, like, the NFL players and stuff get the CTE from, like, they call, like, micro-concussions or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you how many little times you're hitting the side of the seat. And I don't run one. And, like, if you had a Talladega wreck in it, Yes, I probably would be worse off running one because I, you know, wouldn't be moving as much. But every day of the week when I'm just racing the car, I'm not hitting the seat all the time, and I can see. Right. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. My vision's impaired slightly with my seat too. Like I kind of got to look over the top of it because it's it fits my heads and shoulders the way it's supposed to. So you kind of have to look over the top of the seat when you're alongside somebody, and that makes for a good excuse if we're talking. But when you run into somebody, that's a terrible excuse. Yeah, that yeah. I I have that same issue. Like when when I go to line up, or like if we're rolling around under yellow, I I physically have to like loosen the belt to lean up over and look over the headrest if I'm trying to find somebody out in the stands. Yeah, yeah I don't. Right. That I hate the containment seat for that reason. I hate it. Yeah. All right, you're, you're listening to the reasons that I don't. That, that's exactly why. Like I said, if we're having, if I had a Talladega star wreck in that event, yes, I probably would be a little bit worse off. And I'm not saying I've thought about. I may build a little containment deal for my new car. But just the ones out of the box that I can afford that aren't custom made 100%, I feel like I'm better off just running a regular seat as long as it's mounted rigid. Yeah, that, mount them rigid. We've seen some GoPros of some people. Oh, God. And it's dangerous, the, the shit that people put in their car sometime and think it's cool. Yeah. Like you're just saying they pull a containment seat out of a box, like, cool, we're safe. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. No. If you're you going look down the back straightaway and it's moving three inches left or right because they got one carriage bolt dead dead center of the seat. Yeah. That's no. Not doing anybody any good. If you look at like other kinds of racing, like drag racing, for instance, all of those guys just run like a little cheesy carbon bucket. It looks like go kart seat. Yep. But but they build frame around the seat. Can't you do that in every seat? And I'm planning on doing that in my new car. But I just like it. People just look at a seat as face value. The seat's in there now. Now we're good, and yeah. that was just my argument. And something to think about too on the seat thing is I had uh, when I turned over I had I don't know what brand it was good seat. But anyways, when I turned over I got a really heavy concussion and I never even hit my head. Seat had not a damn thing to do with it. Like you're saying, micro concussions you can get that from sudden body jars or sudden mm-hmm. like, sudden neck and head trauma so that's how i ended up with mine I didn't have a damn thing to do with the seat so i could have had a dale jr himself seat and it wouldn't have done me any good like I mm-hmm. it, your stuff needs to fit you properly and if you put a containment seat in you need to make sure your head doesn't flop around is the, the bottom line i think it's good to have the rib support and leg support like if you do get in a wild one so your legs don't bounce off the firewall and stuff and like you just you're just comfortable and secure in the car but I've got all that on my seat. I've got the shoulders. I've made my rib supports fit me. I've got a leg support off of there. I've got all that stuff. I just don't have the head parts. That's the only thing I don't have. So you don't have a headrest, period? No, I don't have a headrest, period. I'm a go-kart guy. I've got that uh, gorilla neck. Oh, well, do you, you do you still use a strap? No, I I, uh, I try to when I have enough pit help. I don't always have enough pit help to help me put it on, but I try to run a, a Simpson hybrid, which some people say that's bad without a containment seat. I don't know, but I try to run that. 
I but no, I don't run any kind of a strap. That'd be hard because sometimes I get lazy yeah. and I use that headrest for that. Yeah, no, I, I run go karts here. I just lay there. No, I run go karts so long I can hold my head up. That's true. Yeah, that, that's that's something that I don't I don't think about too. Like I, whenever I race a go kart in the winter time, if I'm running multiple classes in the night, I, I kind of fall out of the seat by the end of the night. Whenever the track speeds up, so I don't have that like you like you're saying. You got grilling neck. From I'm not saying I don't ride up against like. I have my seat up against the right side of the cockpit where I'm leaning up to my, with my leg, but my my neck's not really an issue. Yeah. Well, you're building a new car. And mm-hmm. You've well, what, what kind of car did you have prior to that? Well, when it rolled out of the factory floor, it was a Shaw, but okay. when it rolled out of my shop, it was just pretty much the cage that came in the Shaw. So we've seen you talking about wanting to put your car together, like build your own car. and. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you get a lot of you get a lot of attention on Facebook by putting your thoughts out there that some people may think are off the wall or whatever. And whenever people seen you putting like going to build your own race car, I'm sure it posed a lot of questions. But something we found interesting whenever we seen that you were going to be building your own car is that you are Arkansas State Championship welder. Like you want a competition <laughs> for that? Is that true? Well, okay, so so here's the deal on that. That's people have told me that, but uh, I wasn't aware that was the case. That that story happened. Uh... Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we got led in the wrong direction then. Yeah, so that, <laughs> that's funny. So that story happened one of the first times I was over at uh, Andy Milliken's shop. I moved up to Fort Smith. He was like, he asked me if I if I could weld, and I said, yeah, I can weld. And uh, something about you know how'd you learn to weld? And I said, well, you know, I started learning in high school. They had this little deal with a competition, and. Uh, Welding was one of the was one of the categories, and that stemmed into that I was a state champion welder. So now every time I make a weld that looks questionably shitty, I get informed that I was a state champion. It shouldn't look like that. Okay, well, <laughs> dude, I was looking through, I was looking through your high school. I was because we we were going through yeah. your LinkedIn and like was we through. went on a dive. Very yeah. very regular welder. Yeah, we were looking into all of like school, typing in your name on like all these schools and like these welding competitions in Arkansas and stuff, and I was like, I wasn't seeing it, so I was like, well, maybe, maybe we just can't find it. <laughs> so no, I'm a very average welder. Okay, well, Andy led us into that, so that was gonna say like if you're <laughs> if you have that certification underneath you, then if you can cut two pipes and have weld them together, you've already fought half the battle for safety. <laughs> So, I mean, I can I can weld acceptably, but no, I'm not not, not any kind of a champion crown yet. I mean, if we want to have competition, I can try, but I'm not a professional <laughs> welder at all. Okay. Well, I didn't mean to get off track there, but so you're what what made you want to do that? Like I, you just said that you kind of like to do beat to your own drum kind of thing, but that's kind of scary stepping out on your own, don't you think? You want the simple reason? Uh, give it to me both ways. Oh, well, first off, I'm broke. Okay. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. Preach, preach. Like, like, like Hawk Carl says, the forty thousand dollars rollers. I mean, if if I could afford one, that would be the thing to do in my position. I mean, get on somebody's program, learn a lot. Yep. You know, figure out. You know, tell them they can tell me what to do to the car. That's great. I'm not gonna say that's not the way to do it, but uh, I can't afford to step into the ballpark there. And uh, I feel like, due to me having to figure out things on my other car from the open motor stuff and trying to come up with things. It made me try a lot of things that I wouldn't have otherwise, and I learned a lot doing research and just trial and error and figured out a lot of things that I like. kind of gave me the at least thought that I think I can do, put together some ideas all into one package, because I was sort of 
at the limit of what I felt like I could do with the car that I had. And so I just want to take it a little bit further with the same similar ideas yeah. on a new car. So is there any sort of time frame you're shooting for to get it out? I want to race it next year. So I mean, I'm trying to, I don't know if I'm going to make like first race of the year, but yeah, I'm going to try to get it where I can race it. You know, I don't know. So, so May, June, so. Okay. Hmm. So like that kind of leads into it. Like, the social, the stuff you post on social media, like blurring out the bars and all of these trick deals that you've came up with, with your your spring masher and a shock mounted on it with a bump stop, like how much of that is actually smoke and mirrors, or what are you chasing? Well, um, there's a, let me run a couple things by you. Seventy seven percent of racing is mental, and sixty nine percent of statistics are made up. Yeah. Oh, I I agree, hundred percent. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> but uh, no, I really do do a lot of work in the shop, and that's something I do is I'll just screw with things, and I'll I'll come up with something that I feel like worked, and then I'll take it apart and try to figure out why it did work. So I'll put it in my spring smasher and uh, run it through the load to where it got on the car. I felt like what that runs through, and I'll say, huh, I wonder why I did that. And then, like, I might throw a bump stop in there and try with a different spring. That's what I'm trying to achieve is basically I just take what happened to my car and what I thought made it do it and try to recreate it in a different way or make it do it more. The reason, But, you know, I blur things out sometimes because what if I do come across something? I can't just, like, tell everybody I come across something, but most of the time it's just experimental. Well, I mean, I, I agree to that aspect of it. I mean, you're... You're a machinist by trade, correct? Did we lose him? I'm here. Okay. It, Did, sorry. Are yeah. you're you're a machinist by trade, right? Yes, that's right. So you're a common sense engineer, in my opinion. You you fix yeah. the the problems that us engineers, maybe an engineer that we create, you fix them. Yeah, that that oh. is a that is what I do sometimes, and I sort oh. of got to do that as a job when i worked at uh brodick cylinder heads my job title was uh research and development so that meant i was like fill in machinist when we needed a machinist and yeah. uh i developed new parts i drew things in SolidWorks and sort of did the job of an engineer but i don't have the degree so no, i don't want to take any of your cloud on that i'm not an engineer no i don't i don't want it i'm dumb trevor's a glorified <laughs> doghouse builder don't let him lie <laughs> but my, my point to that is is what you're talking about is Honestly, the same thing that I know I do, and I know Ryan does it, because we bounce stuff off each other quite often, to where, like, I sit in the floor, and, like, last year I had two floor jacks underneath the rear end, and I would let it down in increments, slowly, watching how the birdcage timing was working, measuring it, seeing what kind of load that was going to bring to me at, let's say I'm half throttle in the middle of the corner. So I know, okay, here's this load, but now... When it gets to full droop on the end of the chain, here's this load. Like, looking at all those dynamic differences, is that what you're talking about you're chasing? Yeah, that's exactly what it's exactly what I do. And I figured out a long time ago that I would get some kind of number that I was shooting for, and I'd chase it forever and be stuck to that number. And I realized that that would just make me end up chasing my ass and not really get anywhere. And so what I end up doing is, like you said, in the floor with a floor jack, going through the motions, and what... What I like to call it is like my abstract setup. I'll think, what do I want the car to do, and how can I make it do that? And I'll just twist on some bars until it does it. Try it, and then measure it later. Like, I'll just make it where it looks correct, and I've figured out that that 
is normally the direction you should go, not because Jimbo over here is winning and he said he has 250 pounds right rear loaded static. I mean, that makes that makes sense to me. It, load numbers are, in my opinion, subjective to driver because what's going to work for me is not going to work for either one of you two. Just trying to get something that feels consistent for what you're working with is what you need. Yeah, and that's I know what feel I'm looking for. I know what I want it to look like, and if I can make the car get over there and do that, then that's what I go with, at least to try. And there's a lot of things that I've done research on, and if you if you look back, we've had books on things about racing that are known and we're using today since like 1975. Mm-hmm. Well, they've been doing it since then, and it hasn't changed. And there's certain things that are the same, but nobody realizes that because we're you know we're all up in dynamic. But if you just apply those to dynamic, it's the same stuff. There's like several books I could tell you to read, and they like tell you to do what we're doing. And it was 1980. The uh, it. There's one that was like 1978. It is the art of race car engineering. It goes through bump steer, Ackerman, front roll centers. Um, mm-hmm. That is honestly what where I learned the most about front end and what it should do. Because granted, they apply it to like old school street cars, basically, that were yeah. basic generic. But we're going after the same thing. Yeah, and everybody's going back to the cross shaft uppers and everything to get rid of all this ca- the caster gain and camber gain that we put in them by using tubular uppers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think, like just listening to you two talk, I really think that people get crisscrossed because the vocabulary is broadened, honestly, and they confuse themselves when they start saying extended load or static static load and all this stuff. I think the vocabulary gets a lot of people confused, too. Like, I think if you were to say somebody that was at full hike and your spring was X, that's a lot more understandable for the common cat than if you say extended number because then you might get a guy that doesn't know what he's talking about 100% and start rattling some stuff and get everything all crisscrossed. Yeah, so, 100%. Then what little bit I've been... I mean, I've been working with people since I started building shocks, trying to, like, help them set up race cars. And you approach somebody and say, hey, what's your droop number? They're like, oh, well, the deck height's this on the end of the chain. They, there's there's a lot of inconsistencies and gray areas of what people are using to set their stuff up. And that's where, to your point, Ryan, everybody's just, it's free game at that point. Yeah. I, everybody has their own interpretation of not just race cars, of everything. So, what truck might be blue to me might be dark blue to you, and that's how that's racing in a nutshell, and that's what makes it all, the wheel tick. And I think that that's got to be like you're going to be floating your own boat. That's got to be something that's going to be a concern to you is getting help and getting somebody that you can talk to consistently that's on the same sort of same sort of wavelength as you as far as verbiage and how you're going to apply and understanding like the the visual outcome of how to apply because everyone's got a different different outlook on that kind of stuff. You're not going to have anybody personally to, with your same car to talk to, I mean at least up front. Yeah, that's well, I haven't had a like a chassis builder that I've called first month that I raced my car when I got it in like 2016. I uh basically have just come up with things that I felt like would work. Like, I won, the one IMCA race I did win at I-30, 
I remember I had a 16-inch right rear spring in it that was uh, 100 pounds and a 20-inch 80 in the left rear. Mm-hmm. I mean, who would have ever told you to do that? <laughs> we were weighing out Opie's car one night, and when I got – he was tr- well, he was trying to weigh his car out. I'm, I'm going to get sidetracked here, but we were, <laughs> he was telling me, he's like, I can't get the scale numbers right, dude. It's like, I need some help. I got over there and like was screwing on the front of it a little bit. And jacked it up and crawled up underneath it. And he had a 16-inch spring in the right rear. That's why we couldn't get the, number, the numbers to read. <laughs> yeah. and it took it out, put a 13-inch spring in, and it almost fell right to where it needed to be. So, right. It, I was, <laughs> so that just, that was... That's wrong by by the book. That's yeah. wrong. Yeah. It's just, and, but the thing is, nobody really thinks about, like, why do we run a 13-inch spring in the right rear? We don't have to get into that, but I mean, like, if you start thinking about like why why is that something you would run? Why yeah. you, you know you start thinking you're like well it's not really a good answer just that's just what I've been doing. Normally is the answer to every part. And there's modifieds look like modifieds and they're built like modifieds and they're modified. But if you start looking at why they're like that, there's not really a good reason for like half the things that are on the car. It's just because whoever saw this and copied this and copied this and copied this, we've only got that far along. Yeah, and now man, when people post like new products and stuff online it's like i gotta buy it how come i gotta buy it yeah so yeah i 16 inch spring thing is not very common in the right rear but there's no like i mean i don't run it now but i did it at that point the way i come up with that is i would i didn't know anything about the car i called the chassis builder i'm not trying to bad mouth the chassis motor we just didn't have the same language and how we were trying to do it i called up and they told me to do something and i couldn't get it to work and so i just sat down and thought well i'm just gonna try to set it up the way it makes sense to me yeah. And uh, I was having I was having trouble with it turning, and then it, if I had it tur- free enough to turn, it would just be too free. And so I thought, well, how can I make it come off the corner? The when it's on the chain on both sides coming off the corner, it needs to have about the same spring load. And so I put some springs in there that were tall enough that would never come off the springs, and they had about the same spring load coming off the corner so it would drive straight. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it, there's more than I mean, one way to skin a cat. So yeah, it made it, it made it where it would didn't have much load in the right rear to enter, and then it would come off straight. It worked at the time. That poses my age-old question. Right rear coilover. Put the spring up on the car or put the spring down on the car? So you change the spring table, that's a big deal. That's I, I'm a firm believer you put the shock end up in the car and put the spring down if you can do it with the cages you have in your car. I don't, I don't run a uh, coilover on the right rear. So. Oh, you're one of those. <laughs> yeah, so... But, I, no, I just have it on the slider with the the body of the sliders down. Okay. I mean, I I like it. I like the feel of the way that the way you get in the corner. It's more stable, in my opinion, with them split. Yeah, I agree. I like the way it drove a lot better. It's just, I just feel like the right rear to me is the biggest feel part of the car. People talk about they can't feel the right rear. Well, that's like the part I feel the most. And the the easiest single adjustment, like I could take a half a round out of the right rear and feel that immediately, but you might move the left rear two holes, what everybody's concerned with, and you won't know the difference. Yeah. That, if you can feel the right rear in a four-bar car, that's good news. From my yeah. from somebody who doesn't race them a whole lot, that was my struggle. So if you can feel that in the right rear, that's good news. That's well, like my number one tune tool. Yeah. Whether it's load or, like you said, moving the bar up and down. Like If you can feel that yeah. and know what happens, that's good news. Yeah, I think that's just... I don't know. I don't know why that is, but that's the way I move the car. Like I think there's some things that are. If you think about it, when we're racing around, there's only a few moving parts. Really, like it moves a mile from the pits to when you get on the racetrack. But 
once you get on the gas, you got maybe, I don't know, two inches of travel on the left rear at the most that it gets down, and then your right front moves like, I don't know, an inch or two at the most, and the left front just kind of floats there, and the right rear digs or not, depending on your spring load and your bars. And so that's one of the biggest moving parts is the right rear. So I give you a lot of shit on, on the internet, I won't lie, I'll just go ahead and say that. I give you a lot of shit on the internet, but listening to you talk, it's like, we, we think on the same wavelength on that side of it. We spend a lot of time thinking about the same things. Yeah, and just, I can't win races, so you gotta get people riled up in some way to stay relevant, so that's, you know. Hey, it works. That's, I mean, you're not, you don't have, you don't have a bad name at all, it's just you post no. thought-provoking posts, and... That's that's gonna create dialogue, and then sometimes you post some stuff that people are like, you put the like the aliens or whatever on there. That's that's a lot of like you're just all you're saying in a roundabout way is like I'm out in the shop messing with stuff. But you put yeah, that's that exactly stuff what on, I'm saying. And he puts that stuff on there, and they're like, this dude thinks he knows everything. That's <laughs> the interpretation, and that's what creates comments and dialogue that gets you spread out. So. I mean, there's people that probably know who you are from from way out, whatever, just because of seeing that stuff. And I seen there's some dude real mad at you not that long ago because you posted your car for sale and had your shock. Oh, yeah, he was and, mad. And, he was, like, big mad. And that wasn't even you trying to do – that wasn't even you trying to create anything. You're just trying to sell your stuff. However, yeah. that dude's in your region, but – if he wasn't, I guarantee you still would have been up your ass about it, and you still got people comment on your stuff. It's not from your area, just just because. Like, yeah. and that's that's good. I mean, it's not bad. It's not detrimental to the sporter at all. I mean, all you're doing is just posting an innocent thing on there, saying I'm out here goofing. And then yeah, that was basically yeah that, that left rear deal. I mean, that, nobody told me to do that. I didn't see it in anybody's car. Me and Andy were out in the shop one day talking about how we could make the left rear work better. We're like, you know, we could do that. And I built a mount up for it, and that's where I put it. And it just so happens, after after somebody pointed out to me in that post, the other people were doing it, and I started looking. I'm like, hell, there's a lot of people doing that now. So I don't know who started that, but apparently I copied it. Yeah, and dude, everybody's... That's everybody... No, no one's I, got a straight-up original idea, so whatever. Who cares? I do it every week. Like, you'll be, you'll be scrolling through Facebook on Sunday in the middle of the summer everybody's posting the cool pics they got from the photographer. Well, a lot of them don't realize, in my opinion, that they tell on themselves because they post this nice, big, high-quality picture. You zoom in, great big on your phone, and you can see everything that they're doing. You can you can pretty well guess their bar angle. You can guess how much chain they got because the overrails are similar in most cars. So you can look in there, and you can see the size of the spring, and you can see the bar angles, and you can see what pool bar they're running. You're like, well, I... They're sure here, can. and I, I wonder. I wonder. So a couple minute guesses, and you're like, "Oh well, I got a pretty good idea of what they're doing. I might try something." Right. Now, that's a pretty good way to dial yourself out, too, in my opinion. But I'm not gonna say I don't look at that. Yeah, you can see a lot of things from that, and that, I mean that's part of the reason I blur some of that because if I did happen upon something, then why do I need to tell everybody exactly what I'm doing? And yeah, like you said, it, almost every modified they're built like a modified. You can pretty much tell where he's at, and. I use pictures like that as data acquisition. I mm-hmm. can't afford to have any kind of sensors for my car. I'll look at a picture of my car. My good buddy Ross is the photographer at Tri-State, and he takes good pictures of my car because he knows I use them. And I'll pull up one of those pictures, 
and pull my car into that position in the floor, and I can get a way more accurate than you would think load number on where I was actually at. Uh, I agree. I do. I do the same thing. <laughs> so posting stuff on social media or whatever makes the secrets a little harder to keep anymore anyways like you're saying like it's no one's business but they're gonna do it so if they don't catch your car hanging looking at the racetrack if they could see a picture online and get a hint of what they think they're looking for then they're gonna do it but well and i was scrolling through bradley's facebook earlier just trying to do a little r&d as he said and he posted that smart ass picture where he just went ahead and blurred the whole car sitting in the floor <laughs> for that same reason because somebody was giving him hell about it the week before yeah I think some people just blur that stuff out because they've seen it and they think they have to. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, whatever, dude. And smoke and mirrors, man. You might be trying to cover up one thing and the other one, if you really do have something tricky, then the other one might just be just sticking out. So, yeah. who knows? It's all nonsense. And most of the people that cover that stuff up don't know what's up anyways. So. And I'll be the first to tell you, I don't know that I know what's up, but. I feel like I have a fairly decent understanding of how race cars work, and I just try to make mine work the best way that I can. It's all very subjective. Night in and night yeah. out, everything's subjective. So, I mean, I, you can run, you can straight away somebody one week, and you're the baddest man to ever live, and you can cover up every post you've ever ever had. You go back and edit and cover your car up on every post, and you think you're, <laughs> you're the new Bloomquist, and the next week you might go run fifth. And then, like, yeah. It's all, it's just, who knows, man? And your car, if your car's always, if your car's perfect, and you have you have a dial that can adjust your car for what you're seeing that night, your the guy behind the steering wheel is a real part of the problem too. People don't understand. So you can have Dale Earnhardt's car, but you ain't gonna be as good as him. So <laughs> that's just how it goes. Agreed. Yeah, that's right. So getting back, I want to go back, circle back around to the go kart stuff because we talked about tire stuff a little bit last week and i i don't know that i exactly worded stuff right but go-karts tires are everything and race mm-hmm. cars i think that's the second most important piece on your car is tires so circle back around to the go-kart stuff what you know about tires how much of that stuff correlates to the dirt car stuff because you're on a budget you work out of an you work out of an apartment right i do yep so you're on a budget that everyone's on a budget, but you're on a for real budget. Like you're trying to make something out of, I mean, out of nothing for what you're, what class you're trying to run. You're trying to do this all on your own. So your tire situation is probably a little more dire than a lot of other people. I want to know how important you feel it is compared to the go kart stuff to what you're doing. I feel now. like it's, I feel like it's pretty important. You can, you can get away with having probably like not as quote-unquote good of a tire in your car and it's not like as like a number one like in a weekly deal i'm not gonna like win or lose it may win or lose but i'm saying it's not gonna be like you can't like if you had a bad tire in your car you could pull on the racetrack with everybody mm-hmm. but if you had a tire that was halfway worn out and your car still handled in the race car you'd be a little bit off if the guy beside you had a great tire and you had a bad tire but it's not gonna it's not nearly as like hypersensitive but i mean Definitely, a lot of tire stuff goes into it. I'm not going to say I don't spend a lot of time on the tires. And it's unfortunate that we don't, like, run a long enough race where, like, tires come into it more, like, late models and stuff. Because, like, then you could could get into, like, running a season tire like you would do on a go-kart. But, like, basically, stuff we run, a new tire is better than an old tire. 
Yeah. 99% of the time. Yeah. So, that... I've lost my train of thought here. So, uh, the t- you said you put a lot of effort in your tires. I think when people complain about the price of tires and stuff, they all want to say, no groove, no sipe. I say, no. Because if you don't know what you're doing, if you groove on up too much, you're going to waste your money, and you're going to figure it out over time. However, that is the only... One of the only free things you can do to your car. Why in the hell would you want to take away the free thing? If you've got a groove yeah. iron and you got a Cyper that's already paid for, or say somebody gave it to you, it costs you nothing but time. Why in the hell would you want to take that away? And and to add to that, it also like you when you say you spend a lot of times on tires, and I know the we're talking go kart side too. The go kart side is dope. You don't spend a lot of time on big car tires on the dope side of it. You spend a lot of time grinding, making sure they're clean, like Ryan's saying, making sure it's, it's grooved right for what you're planning on doing. The siping is huge on yeah, it, where you don't blister it. Yeah. Yes. yeah, you focus on what you can do and do that to the extent. Like Surfacing your go-kart tire is one part of it, but you're allowed to do more things. Right. On the race car, you're allowed to surface it, you're allowed to sipe it, you're allowed to groove it, and that's what you can do. And so you just kind of got to figure out what you can do with it to make it work in that corner. And I feel like I have a pretty good package for what I do as far as how I groove them and how I cycle them. And I just try to, I try not to run a ton of heat cycles on them. And I try to make use of my heat cycles like in a good way. Like I'm not just going to get rid of the tire because I've ran it for one thing. I'll use it for something else that I can use it for. Yeah. Like I've, yeah. I've never bought a new left front for my car ever. If I put a new set of tires on that, means I put three on it. Yeah. I think mine no, left front rode with me every single lap this season. So yeah, mine mine too. I mean, I only ran five or six races or whatever, but it was an old Rhine that I had forever that I just had wrapped up in the back to keep the oil in the tire. I mean, the left front on the car that I've got, if it touches the ground, it's junk anyway. You only use it to turn in. That's yeah. it. Yeah, it's normally which I have my left front on the ground. I feel like I've got my roll center where I can drive with the left front. I think it's an advantage, but like. As far as how much load the tire sees to need to work it, I just groove inside the most out of a tire that I can groove. Like if I got to use the left rear, that's still pretty good. I'll sipe it up really, really small and groove it up and make it you know seem as soft as possible and put it up there. You, yeah. You said that you wish we had some longer races so you can see the lasting like effects of tire wear. Do you think that ninety nine percent of people when they post on Facebook and say their tire sealed up, do you think they're full of shit? Yes. I think a lot of times, yeah, but then have you also followed the guys that can't drive their car straight? Uh, I yeah, they're, have. They're, they're hazing the tire down the straightaway. Yeah, yeah, they're hazing it down the straightaway, like, in the traction. And you're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize we had not a North Star. I mean, yeah, I see, I see that, too. But, man, I guarantee you, if you go over there after the races, like, you're going you're gonna to look at their stuff, and it's not going to have a cap. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're right. But I do think, too, that a lot of people don't put the time into, like, Sipe their stuff yeah, and yep. groove it like like someone like you or me might, and I think that could contribute to it sealing up. Yeah, probably well, it's a lot of it. I mean, to add to that conversation too, I mean, even on a short twenty lap race, I don't know about you guys, but I'm very conscious of making sure that my tires try to stay working the whole time because there'll be nights where you have five or six cautions, especially in the B mod deal and some of the the bigger local shows or whatever when you get mm-hmm. more cars there you got to make sure that you can get took off if you have a yellow after five laps because you've got oh. them up to temperature and then they 
if you ride around for five or six laps and you're not riding the brakes or whatever to keep temperature in it, then, I mean, it's you're not going to go anywhere when you get took off. You're going to spin the wheels, and it's not going to be the same race car. Yeah, that's 100%. I mean, the way the way rubber works in a tire is every time it gets hot, it gets hard. And every time it cools off, it gets hot again, it gets harder. And every time it cools off, it gets hot, it gets harder. It's like it gets tougher every time you do it. So if you had a tire that had 10 heat cycles in it, you could probably win the topless 100 in the rubber with it if it wouldn't wear out mm-hmm. to begin with. Like, But if you have a tire that doesn't have any heat cycles on it and you spin the hell out of it, it will seal up. I mean, it'll get hot faster because it doesn't have as many heat cycles on it. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on, uh, like, Tri-State would be a good place to seal a tire over. Cause yeah, not, you can there, for sure. It's not abrasive. But that's, a long, like, a long stretch, a lot of heat, and then a long stretch of, like, cool-down period where you're not working on your tire under yellow or whatever. But So, you you say top was 100. You fell down on live TV at Batesville one time. <laughs> what? <laughs> what happened there? Yeah, so uh, that, that did happen. So what had happened was uh, it was at the Race for Hope when it was actually still 74 laps. And uh, I was helping Robert Baker. He was driving for a guy and we got to the halfway mark when we got the fuel and do whatever. And uh, we were like mid-pack. We weren't going to take any tires. But then we started seeing just about everybody take a tire. So I was like, oh, man, go ahead and pull it in. Let's, let's put some tires on it. We're not going to lose any spot because everybody's taking tires. And so they pull in and he pulls over there. I didn't know I was on TV at the time. He pulls over in the hot pit. We were one of the last people to come in, so I was in a hurry. And so I ran over there and got the tire I wanted to put on the left rear and realized that it was not the right offset to go on the left rear. So I had to take off and get me another tire. And as I was on my way back with the new tire, I wasn't paying attention, and it had rained all week. It basically had a bunch of ruts in the infield. And it was one of those falls where you fall for like 20 steps. (laughs) So it was like, I was about to fall, and then I didn't fall, and I was about to fall, and then I just ate shit 100%. And... Oh, I didn't realize until I saw it later, like 15 people sent it to me. The announcer was uh, alarmed that I was in a hurry trying to put the tire on it. So he was commentating me the whole time. Oh, it looks like the crew member's in a hurry over here. And uh, they were just zoomed in on me, like 100%. Nice. That's great. <laughs> yeah. You got your 15 seconds of fame. Right, exactly. So, Robert Baker, does, is he racing much anymore? No, his kid's running a uh, sprint car, and so he's been helping them out. But he, yeah, he, was, a, he was a pretty good shoe and a late model there. Yeah, we've seen him run... Late model every now and again. He's he set fast time at the Show Me 100 one year. Then he got DQ'd because he had the wrong tire compound on. Or yep. I'm trying. I'm he, I'm dirty in the water for him here. But that's what I remember of him really. He, he, was fast, well, he, he sure. also he also uh, there's an interview on Dirt on Dirt. You can still find it. He outran uh, Bloquist at that preliminary deal for the Show Me. Yep. The Cowboy Classic or whatever. Yep. He he outran Bloquist for like 29 of 30 laps. I mean, it was just stuff like that. Like, and he, me and him think a lot on the same. He kind of thinks outside the box like that. And so that's where I've got a lot of help, too, and learned a lot from working with guys like him. Yeah, he was, man, he would come around here often, and then he just quit racing. Like, I just didn't see him anymore. But that explains it. If he's got a son, especially mm-hmm. in a sprint car, that's a whole different side of the world. Yeah, I don't know what guy intended to run a sprint car, but that's what they've been doing. Yeah. So you we, we talked to Andy on a couple of notes here. <laughs> And he wanted us to ask you about your first time running a three-link car. What you thought about that versus your four-link car. Let me tell you what. The three-link isn't necessarily a disadvantage. 
Tre- I don't think. Trevor's. I hope. I hope my dad doesn't listen to this. God, Trevor's been trying to uh, put his arm on this for a long, long time. I think four well, I mean, two bars cool because I've I complain by right rear, but I'll, go ahead. I mean, you think about this. You're an engineer. Think about just you add a moving part when you're if you're if you're trying to like for instance say you're trying to uh, torque a nut on your wheels. You add a an extension in there, and now all of a sudden you're not getting as much torque on it. So you put a bearing on a birdcage trying to drive the left rear, ramp it up. Which one's going to get more traction onto that tire? Uh, Matt, you know how many times I've had this conversation in the last year I'm just year saying, and a half, I, you add moving parts. I'm it's not saying it's 100%, but it makes sense, is it not? My, my dad's biggest argument is, so you look at, like, Springfield last year, for instance, when Ryan would show up. Ryan goes out on a feature and runs... 15-1, 15-0. You look at the IMCA times, all of us are monkey see, monkey do, four bar everywhere, pull bar. They pretty much say you have to. like. And like, But we're running 15-2, 15-3. 2-link cars got a better overall lap time, but the 4-link cars are quicker consistently 50% of the time. Well, when, yeah. me- and, when mechanical traction is in play... Momentum, yes. momentum. I think it is what it is. My input, but when mechanical traction's in play, when there's some drag race stuff, I think your four bar stuff's gonna be better because your mechanical traction's gonna come in sooner. But that yeah. leads to your side of it, Ryan. The four bar two link stuff. I personally think four bar two link would be the way to go. You have that mechanical traction of the four bar, but you have the feel and consistency of the two link on the right side. Yeah, that's would be my choice, and that may be. Out to lunch. I think I, some of I think some of what you're seeing too on the three link card being more consistent is like the hot car concept. You put one hole in the plate, and that's where you put it. I think that uh, I think that some of it's the ability to dial yourself out and not realizing you're doing it. And it's it's one of those things. If, if everything's perfect, you can be faster, yes. But if you just have a balanced car with the three link, I think it's a lot easier to hit your spot. Does that make sense? Yeah. Hey, yeah. Do- knowledge is good and terribly bad at the same time. Yeah, exactly. So I could do something on my car and by my brain or by my book that I'm looking, I'm like, it's going to do X. So I'm going to drive it for how I think I just applied it. And that's going to be a game changer. So you've got to just drive it. You can't just be expecting one thing and getting the other. Oh, so, for sure. If, if I had my way, I'd have somebody that would put an adjustment on my car. I'd have it set up when I got there, and they, they could adjust it at the track, not tell me anything they did to it, and I could just drive it. That's that's that deal. Cause like you said, you that, drive it out of it. That's when I was the best, is when I was younger, and my dad was there all the time. Mm-hmm. He would. I'd come in after the heat race, I'd tell him what I felt, he told me what I'd do wrong, and he'd tell me to go watch the races, and he'd be back there working on it, changing bars and moving stuff, and then I'd come back, and he'd say, all right, it's good to go. That's the most competent I've ever felt in my life in a race car was when he would did that. Same here. When my dad was setting up the car, or not set up the car, I would set it up at the house, and we'd get to the racetrack, and he would adjust it, whatever he thought. And he'll tell you, he doesn't know anything about a modified. He's a street style guy versus leaf springs and shit like that. So he didn't know anything. And so I would tell him, you know, do whatever you think of the car, and he would just make some kind of adjustment that would make on a street stop. You know, like put around into the right front or put around into the left front, or adjust the air, or something you would never think about doing in a modified, normally, and it would normally work. And I don't know if that's because I was confident in it, because he didn't tell me what he did. But that type of thing there, I have an appreciation for, because that stuff still all works. Mm-hmm. The single hardest part 
about racing other than overcoming your mental state is making those adjustments because, God, you can get yourself in a world of hurt. Because everything you change has a consequence. So you might be, and that's when the knowledge is a terrible thing. It's like, oh, I'm taking wheel spacer off of it. Like, I'll be tighter in. But then you start thinking about, oh, what's that do on the scales? It's like all this silly stuff that comes into play. If we were IROC cars and everybody had to be the exact same, that would take up so much pressure on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we're like, it, every car was literally the same and you just had to screw a different driver behind the seat, that would be perfect. Do you guys scale your car? Uh, yes, yes and, no. and no. Yeah, yes and no. So everything's percentage-wise up front. So left and rear, and then after that, it's load stick and tape measure. Yeah, yeah, so, I, I can get on with that. You ever, do you ever scale it like, like we're racing it? You ever done that? Yes. Like you're talking about, put jack it up at, at droop and try to get yeah. her. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've done it both ways, but I don't know what I'm looking for, so I just look at it and say okay, and then I'm good with that. But I, my car didn't hit the scales up until, uh, well, before what we were supposed to be for the turkey race this year they didn't hit the scales like i've load sticked and tape measured my stuff and it was it was good so i didn't mess with it till I, I got ready to take the motor out of it that way i had a starting point for whenever i put it back oh, together sure. just so i don't get it goofy it'll still take you back there but let me tell you let me get this little nugget to think on next time you scale your car and get it up in dynamic position when you're on the scales compare the numbers you get on the scales to like uh what they would call for like a phantom go-kart compare okay. those Okay. Yeah. Just see how similar that stuff shakes just, just out. Just look at it. Yeah, just look at it. Right on. I can get Well, it. basically what you're trying to do is load a bunch of cross in it. I, I, all I'm going to say is just, just look at a go-kart setup and compare it to your race car when it's up on there. You're gonna, if Davin lost you're gonna, this, he's going to be all jazzed. Go-kart. Yeah, you're going to have the people listening to this, and they're going to come out with 62% cross trying to turn into mud. <laughs> if I <laughs> I see static cross. We're going to see somebody this summer show up with a go-kart. <laughs> gonna have it on a trailer looking at shit well i mean think of think of this let me throw this up for you if there wasn't any ride height or deck rules what kind of springs would you run your car <sighs> if you could have your deck 80 inches there static what kind of springs would you run i don't know i don't have an answer what would you run i think we'd be on about a thousand pound spring on every corner and they'd be about two inches long you're you would go to almost solid because what the more the more rigid you make it, the better the car is going to be. The flexibility that we have in the race car and the flexibility in the springs allows for being off on the setup. So the more, and that goes back to that circle track book I talked, the art of building a race mm-hmm. car, or whatever from 1980. The the more flexible a car is, the more it moves, the further you can be off. But the more rigid it is, the better your setup's got to be. But the more traction that it's going to have. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's exactly right. And I just, I think about things in that way. And so when you think about why things are the way they are, it makes you question a lot of just standard modified setup practice. Yeah. You're not wrong. I think that's what makes makes you so interesting of a follow online is like your ideas are a lot different than most followers. Like, I, I'm not, I don't know half as much as. I, people might think I know or like I let on like I know but 
I don't think you can drive the hell out of a race car, so that's so <laughs> I've watched you. Yeah, I, I, don't I, let it you don't suck. Uh it helps to like be able to drive, but understanding is a huge help, but I don't understand it all. But whenever you got guys out there like you questioning things, you might throw ten things at the wall and only one of them stick. But Yeah. You've got it. You're not you're not just buying it. You're not just calling your chassis builder and getting a generic answer. So my car's tight, like, oh what does the book say? So you figure it out for yourself. That's good. That's good news. I was scared. All right, when you know it. Stuff. Yeah, when you know what it does, like, actually, and it's not just somebody telling you. And even and that's another reason I probably couldn't have a chassis that somebody built for me because I'd call up somebody and have Jimmy Mars build me a brand new MB and he'd tell me to do this too. And I'd say, what the hell do you know, Jimmy Mars? And I'm, I'm in no place to say that. Yeah. And so I would say something like that, and I'd really alienate myself. He knows way more than I do, but I'll end up asking him why. I really don't need to ask why. They can tell me how to win with it. Yeah, and it that may and that may make somebody mad. It may intrude their thoughts, but it may there's some people out there who like that. If you question within reason, if you make if you're trying to belittle them whenever you're asking that, of course that's not going to go very far. But there's some right, and that. I and I definitely wouldn't say that. And if Jimmy Mars listening to this, by any chance, I didn't mean to offend you by that. <laughs> I doubt <laughs> Jimmy Mars is listening to this. <laughs> all, all I'm saying is I, I question everything because I want to know why it works, and that offends some people, like you said. Well, and that's cool too because man, like you, you, I see it all the time. Or even when I'm trying to explain stuff to people, they're nodding their head, and you can tell they don't get it. And yeah. Then they're going to go tell somebody else what they had heard, and I mean, shit. You can tell it's not clicking. So some people. Just... I was uh, I was over in the pits. I was over in the pits one night at Tri State talking to Jason Hughes, and uh, a guy walked up. I guess he was running a used car. A guy walked up to him and said, uh, "Hey, on that toe you said an eighth. Was that outer end?" Ah. Uh, <laughs> like that, and you're like, man, you're like, I could pull out beside that guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, and the crazy but thing those is that are guy the guys. Might smoke. And those are guys that run you. Yeah, exactly. I know, yeah. and it really discourages you. To start thinking, because that guy, yeah, it's, it's racing, right? The more you think about racing, the more frustrating it gets. Yeah, the guys that don't know, sick them from come here, can pull yeah. out a line and drive by you and blow your doors off. And you yeah. you watch them drive by and you're like, man, this, like, they don't know nothing. And here I spent 40 hours this week in the shop floor trying to make this thing go, and I it, it was wrong. Yeah, right, right. That's the beauty you can of, dial yourself out super easy. That's the beauty of it. As stupid as it, it is, is, that's the beauty of it. It is. That's what I like about it too. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly what I like. I like to. I thought about doing a stock car for my new car there for a while, but then I started realizing I couldn't do any of the cool stuff I wanted to do. Yeah, because the box. Not saying I wouldn't want. Yeah, not saying I wouldn't want to drive one. If anyone wants me to drive their stock car, I'll drive it. But I just couldn't bring myself to throw away all the cool stuff I wanted to do because you can't do any of it. Yeah, the box is pretty narrow, which creates good racing. That's cool. Anyway, it's awesome. But it takes. Uh, it takes creativity out of it, but whatever Dylan Thornton's got figured out, the rest of them don't. So yeah, that is true. He's there. pretty much on a new level. Yeah. And Scott Bloomquist was saying on that junior podcast, he thought that those days were over in the late model world, and Jonathan Davenport's proven that wrong. So I mean, that, mm-hmm. it, well, no matter how small the box is, you, you can come across something that just hadn't had been overlooked. We all. I think it's a lot harder that. to to get like a game changing advantage. Like a lot harder than it used to be. Like in Scott Wilkins' day, coming up, he could find something and put three laps on the field. But you can still find things, like you said. You can still find stuff. And as close as we all are these days, finding a little is a lot. And yeah, if you find half a tenth, that's that's huge compared to what I we're could doing. Suck. Now. I could suck. Not even feel like I can pull on the same racetrack and go out there. And Zach Vanderbeek might have only been three tenths faster than me. 
but he was way better. Yeah. Problem with all that stuff is people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So honestly, people ruin it. They complain to a sanction body or whatever, and I mean. That's good and bad. I mean, it depends on who you are. If you have it, that's bullshit. But if you don't have it, you want it. Like, I want it took away. So, once again, that's the beauty of the situation. So, Mm -hmm. you're never going to beat the people. (laughs) Because they're always going to be nosy. Yeah. Is there anything that, like a PSA from, from you, something that you've always wanted to say, but you just haven't put it out there? Or anything, because I know there's some there's some stuff that I'd like to say out loud, but I can't. But you can. <laughs> Is there anything I, I don't know? Have? I, I don't know. I I will say I've, I've always said it'd be neat to be on the Pit Shack podcast, and then look at me now. I think that uh, I'm gonna have to like set up an autograph booth next time we go to the racetrack. Yeah, you made it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. this is it. Mike Davis is gonna call you in the morning. Yep. I think you. that I think it's what'll happen. Right on. Well, if is there anything else that you want to well want to cover or throw if out? You there? guys. If you guys want to check out me building my new car, see how much I really don't know, feel free to give me some pointer because I probably don't know it. I, uh, I'm going to try to film everything that I can on uh, my new YouTube channel. You can find it at uh, youtube.com. Uh, Bradley Bush is the YouTube channel name. And uh, I'm going to try to film everything that I can to show people, how, like I said, how much I don't know or how much I do know. People like watching people do things like that. I think it's different. I'm going to be building the modified. Most people wouldn't do that. Yeah. So... We'll post now, are you are you going to when you say you're going to film everything? Are you going to film these top secret innuendos that you've been talking about? Or are you going to keep some of this stuff under wraps? I guess you'll have to watch the video pretty close to figure it out. Oh, okay, that's oh, okay, that's a good. That's little... good. That's good. <laughs> uh, we did the Striegel interview. He was announcing he's going to be the flagman, and Peyton Looney texted me the next day. He's like, "What was Striegel's news?" Like, you're going to have to listen. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess you're gonna have to watch the video and yeah. see if you can see anything. I like yeah. it. Yeah, I, mean, I like it. We'll post a link to that. I think transparency is great. There's so yeah. much preconceived nonsense. Like we've talked about that ten times tonight. Preconceived nonsense of a person. That transparency is good and humility is good. So that I don't know the first thing about building a race car. The, the amount of tube bending that I've done includes building front bumpers. Yeah. So, like, okay, hold on. Time out. We got that's uh, one thing I gotta end on here. <laughs> you got a level in your shop? Yeah, I don't use it on the front bumper. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> that's what he was talking about earlier. I was like, dude, don't say that. Well, the the thing it makes it. I know why you're doing it, and it makes perfect sense because when you try to run up under somebody, you screw your nose up. Like you we run up, about uh, last you run up under them. If you yeah. needed to adjust somebody, you like, I know, I know exactly why you're doing yeah. it. Yeah, but you're the looks, you're the only like one hell. doing it. That's funny. It's like hell, I know, but... <laughs> yeah. I like it. I don't it. know why y'all have a bumper on your car at all. I like it. We have to. Yeah, it's in the rules. Yeah. Nick, yeah. Thanks, Nick Hoffman. Uh, that, yeah, we'll post a link to the YouTube thing. I like that. Um, I don't I don't watch Hunt the Front or the old Seven Garage guy, but I know the popularity behind that kind of stuff. And that's... There's a thirst for that, whether it's somebody who just cannot get enough or there's an entry-level guy out there going along with you. That's good. Yeah, like I, said, I don't know anything about bending tubes. I, I mean, I'm going to have to be figuring this stuff out. I don't know anything about building a whole race car. I feel like I have an idea about how to set it up once I get there. But as far as the processes of bending tubes and welding together, I'm going to learn right along with everybody else. Yeah, I think that that's going to be hard. But, man, the hardest part whenever you're videoing yourself is that second-hand embarrassment of hearing yourself talk. <laughs> that oh, is the hardest that part. Sucks. I hate listening to these back. 
Come on, I don't. I, I can't listen to anything that I've been on. Yeah. I sound terrible. Like, do I really sound like that? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's you. <laughs> so, well, if that's all you got, then we'll uh, we'll let you get out of here. Thank you for stopping on. Appreciate the opportunity. Next time y'all are in Fort Smith, all right, we'll go play golf. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we need to yeah. hit that par three. Or There's that. There's a pump track down there, too, isn't there? There is a pump track right over by my apartment. So do you live uh, downtown area? Yeah, downtown. Okay, we usually stay... Um, there's like a Hilton or something like that or something yep. right off bar row. We usually stay over there. So we're probably never far from you, but yeah, yeah, that pump cool. track or the part three sounds fun. And Fort yeah. Smith likes to throw out some two day shows. So as long as you don't pilot in the wall on the first night, you're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're not, yeah. we're not great at golf, but we like to have a good time while we do. I'm not either. There's I'm some glimpses of glimpse of glory, but it's <laughs> right. far between Trevor tried to knock out a window of a $500,000 house. Last time he played, <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious well cool man well thank you very much we will thank you uh, we appreciate it thank you alright Bradley Bush that was good he was yeah that was good very talkative and I mean he was able to convey his, his message better than I mean better than I would have been able to I'd have been stumbling over my words trying to explain why I'm building a car I mean I'm sure he, he's gotten asked that a million times but it's cool. Yeah, and that, I mean that's where I thought it would be a good idea last week. Just when we we're spitting off the cuff to bring him on, he, like we said, he's on social media posting a bunch of stuff that that looks like smoke and mirrors. But when it comes down to it, uh, I'll be the first to admit I thought it was all smoke and mirrors. But he's he's got a similar thought process to stuff that I do, and that's that was honestly really cool to see, not knowing that much about him. Yeah, everything comes down to application. Whether what you see online you think is wrong or right, yeah, it's all. It comes down to application. You could have the most right answer you've ever seen on paper, but if you don't know how to put it on, then whatever. So I mean, yeah. whatever he's on. I mean, that that's cool. So you get a lot of people who just buy it. They may check the bolts, might wash it, then. Post about 38 pictures of it on Facebook during the week, talking about dog ready to hunt, and they're at the racetrack. So, <laughs> yeah, no. Good news. Was, so, I, I enjoyed that one. That was good. Got a couple other people on tap um, working on another one already for next week, and then we're going to do some reaching out now that we probably feel a little more comfortable about reaching out. So I think, uh, I think it's going to be good. It's already, I mean, it's week two. It's fun. I think I don't think it's gonna get too bad, cause we're all. I mean, Trevor's at his house, I'm at mine, and then Bradley was obviously at his place. I think that's good, so everybody can be in their own comfortable spot instead of staring each other eye to eye. <laughs> I thought yeah, it was gonna be a bad thing at first, but I really think now it's gonna be good, cause we have research at our fingers. Like I was looking some, looking some things up while he was talking. I think that's good. Yeah, and like it. The, the conversation part of it, I mean, obviously people can probably tell, like, talk over each other a little bit here and there, but it's it's easier to, to reach out because we probably wouldn't have been able to go to go talk to Bradley unless it was a special occasion just because he's two and a half, three hours away from us. It, it makes it easier to reach a broader audience this way, I feel like. Yeah, for sure, and really this isn't, isn't too hard of a setup, and we're going to do the the phone thing where if you can't get this figured out, we're going to be able to make it where you can call in. So we're doing, uh, working on some audio quality, try to get that better. Um, 
gonna do a little little advertising again try to get that stuff going so if you guys this is not a profitable deal so I don't want people to think I'm asking for money because I want want it like if you guys want some stuff out there we can work it out for extremely reasonable so I, it feels weird asking for that kind of stuff money's funny so if you want to help if you want to help out cool um like I said this is all this is all on us so we're, no one's re- should be held accountable or responsible for something we're doing in our free time like so if you want to put some advertising stuff out there we're with it if not we'll keep on doing it anyways it's not like it's not like it's a hindrance it's fun so we got that being said Trevor Scott dig sticks by Drake look him up on Facebook or give him a call he will build your shocks even the blue ones he'll work on them <laughs> then Austin Johnson Oz designs he does my race car he does all my sponsor stuff he does the pit shack logo he did Trevor's logo uh, lawn care logo, whatever he does it all. So he's uh, the man to get a hold of if you want something that looks nice. And I don't think that's it, right? Just those yep, two. Just if yep, that's it. Shock if anybody's got any suggestions for people they want to see on here, or there people that you know might be interested, just feel free to reach out and we'll see what we can do. And if we're missing something week to week, there's some content that you feel like needs to be addressed or something that we've gone over too much or not enough. Constructive criticism is appreciated. Don't tell us we suck. Just tell us why we suck. <laughs> We're good with all Agreed. that. Agreed. Well, that'll be a wrap. Uh, look for next Thursday, 7 a.m. That will be the 15th. We'll have the next release on top of this one here. So. We're going to try to... Thursdays is looking like it's going to probably be the release date. There might be some fluctuation on that. Sometimes we're going to try to do a little pre-recording so we can have a consistent schedule. So look for that when you crawl out of bed to go to work. Throw it on and go from there. So thank you guys. See you later.